our rights are under attack. It seems like almost weekly, if not daily, we're constantly hearing about another attack on our rights, whether it be our First Amendment rights, Second Amendment rights, the rights that families have or parents have to to teach their children the way that they believe and according to their conscience. And it is up to us as men to take a stand and defend the rights that we have. In this episode, I'm going to be covering some arguments I recently made to our House Judiciary regarding the assault weapons ban they were trying to pass, which fortunately got shot down this time. I hope you guys will enjoy this episode as we dig into our rights that are outlined in the Constitution, and I hope it gives you a better look at our rights as citizens and how we can go about protecting them. What kind of man are you? This life will require you to be steadfast, immovable, strong, and courageous. Though this world says you should get a trophy just for showing up, and there are no winners and losers, you must train to win the prize. You do the hard things. You persevere. You are becoming the man God created you to be. You exercise discipline. The discipline of manliness. Alright guys, welcome back for another episode in the Discipline of Manliness podcast. I'm excited to be here with you yet again. We're going to be covering another topic today, and it is going to be all about our freedoms that we experience because of our founding fathers and our constitution. Before we get into that, guys, I just want to remind you again, if you have not already done so, please go into your podcast platform and leave me a rating and review. I'd love to know how this show is resonating with all of you. I'd love to be able to get any advice from you guys, any thoughts you have, and know how to keep making this show better and better so that it's giving you the value that you want as well as making this a show that can be easily found by other men looking to become the men God made them to be. I look forward to getting into this new topic with you today. Uh, As I recently just had the opportunity to testify to the House Judiciary regarding the assault weapons ban that they were trying to pass here in Colorado. This was a a pretty big debate. Uh, It had hundreds of people in attendance, some advocating for the bill, for an assault weapons ban, some advocating against it. Uh, Not necessarily going to focus on all of those arguments by any stretch of the imagination, but there are a few key points that I saw within this bill and what was going on here that I thought were particularly important to discuss with you guys today. Now, this assault weapons ban was a horrible piece of legislation, if you ask me. It was something that was seeking to basically ban 90% of firearms. As you read through the bill, they basically were outlawing any semi-automatic rifle, any semi-automatic shotgun, and any semi-automatic pistol, particularly with magazines that extend below the grip of the gun. There was just a lot to it that basically would outlaw or ban any future sales on those firearms. And also, if you could not prove that you owned the gun before the ban, then the government could take legal action against you in that regard as well. So just a really, really bad piece of legislation, and I can't begin to explain how glad I am that it failed, or at least failed for the time being, as we all know, these people who are anti-gun will never stop trying to take all of our gun rights away until they're completely gone and it is no longer legal for any of us to own guns. It is not just... The guns, though, in this bill that I particularly was fighting for, while I do feel like that is a very important piece of the puzzle, as it does infringe on our Second Amendment rights. Now, obviously, we know that they're doing things that chip away at those freedoms little by little in seemingly insignificant, unimportant ways. But when you do look at the big picture, those rights are continually being chipped at. So we do have to fight for those rights every chance we get. The other part of the puzzle that this 
really, um, this is where it really bothered me and really imposed some sense of urgency for me to get involved and to try my best to argue against this piece of legislation is that I also feel like it violated our 10th Amendment, which states the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution nor prohibited by it to the states are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. That is a really important aspect to our Constitution, to our Bill of Rights, which are the first through 10th Amendments. This is a really important thing to me in the arguments that were made more than just the Second Amendment, which is absolutely obvious to me. But this one was also very imperative because the state is trying to overstep its bounds in what it says we can do and the rights that we have. This bill they were trying to pass really oversteps the rights of the state. So my argument against this bill was that it violates the Second Amendment, clearly, because they are infringing our right to keep and bear arms. Uh, Though they tried to argue that it doesn't, if we can't buy those firearms anymore, if we're no longer allowed access to them and it's now illegal to buy them or transfer them to anyone even out of state, then that is infringing on our rights and imposing on our rights to keep and bear arms. And then it also violated the 10th Amendment. It oversteps their bounds. It is not outlined in the powers that are given to the government in the Constitution. So that one was really important to me. And here was my argument to the other citizens listening in to my testimony. Even if you are opposed to the guns that are outlined in the bill, you shouldn't want this piece of legislation to pass and you shouldn't be supporting it because it is outside of the government's power and purview of of what they are allowed to do. The reason that is important is because while you might not like the guns that we have, we should have a right to keep and bear them. And just because I in turn may not like what someone says doesn't mean I want the government imposing their will or their ideas into what is allowed to be said you know, and violate the First Amendment or violate the First Amendment in the freedom of assembly because we as as a country have a freedom of assembly for whatever religion you you desire to be a part of. Or even if it's not a religion, any sort of group, as long as it's a peaceful assembly, you have a right to gather. You, you cannot be forced to break up. Sounds kind of like what we had to experience during COVID, doesn't it? But I just thought this was a really key piece to this argument was that it's overstepping their bounds. If you try to nitpick which guns people are allowed to have, that's still imposing on and infringing on the Second Amendment. And it shouldn't be something that anyone would support because if you start allowing the government to nitpick and pick out which little things aren't important enough for us to be allowed to keep and which things are okay for us to keep, you have to do that on every aspect, and that includes the freedom of speech, the freedom of assembly. It includes a variety of other things that that one day, if we no longer have the right to keep and bear arms, if somehow that got chipped away enough that we no longer had it, the government would then turn its sights onto the rights that people do still cherish, and eventually would start chipping away at those. So you can't encourage the federal government or the state government to violate the Constitution on a topic that you believe maybe shouldn't exist or shouldn't be, people shouldn't be allowed to have 
and then expect that you can turn around and say, well, no, the government now can't take away a different right that I still cherish because you supported them in overstepping their rights that is that are outlined for them in the Constitution. So this is this is the the gist of the argument that I presented to our state um, House Judiciary just a few days ago, about a, about a week ago or so. And again, there was a lot of arguments either way. Again, not that I agree with the the arguments that supported the bill, but again, I do believe that you should have the right to believe it. I believe that you should have the right to say you don't like people owning guns. And I'm okay with that. You have every right to feel that way. You have every right to state that. You have every right to argue that you you don't like guns and that you don't think people should be allowed to have them. Fortunately, for those of us who do believe in the Constitution and do believe in gun rights, we have a Constitution that says we are allowed to have them. And furthermore, we have a Constitution that says the government cannot infringe on that right. Now, here was the thing that really blew my mind during this whole process. I got onto the call just a little bit late because as I testified via Zoom instead of going down in person, unfortunately, I couldn't make it in person. But I'd gotten on that Zoom call and I got on just in time to hear one of the representatives. Unfortunately, I didn't catch which one it was. But it was a lady who was sort of questioning one of the witnesses who were testifying against the assault weapons ban bill because he cited that our rights were inalienable and given to us by God. And her comment back to him or questions back to him were basically stating that how can you bring up that our your rights are given to you by God because we have the separation of church and state and the rights and even your Second Amendment rights are given to you by the government. Yeah, she said our Second Amendment rights were given to us by the government and that our rights were not given to us by God and basically saying that our rights are not inalienable. I nearly fell out of my chair and you should have seen the small uproar that started to happen within the chambers uh, for those who were on site. They had to silence the room uh, as people nearly lost their minds, especially those two-way supporters. But the, the gentleman did a good job of calmly restating that our rights are given to us by God and are inalienable. And the Constitution makes that very clear. And that's why he can't argue that. Now, just in case you don't have a clear understanding of this, the separation of church and state is in no way stating that we cannot have religion of any kind involved in the government. It's not saying that the church cannot be a part of the government or cannot influence the government. What the separation of church and state is saying is that we should not have a state-run religion or a state-run church because that's what our founding fathers had gotten away from when they came over here from England. That was a major premise to what led, or maybe a better way to say that is, it was a major catalyst as what drove many of the first colonists over here was to the desire to practice the freedom of religion, not freedom from religion, the freedom of religion. They could then come here and have the freedom to worship however they pleased. They didn't have to get approval from the state. It wasn't then violating the or, or doing anything wrong against the king to worship in a different way. It was simply their freedom of choice of how they were going to worship God. And they did not want another state-run church. So that's what the separation of church and state is specifically talking about. Furthermore, the 
the funniest thing about it was, and my argument if I had been there would have been, when you can find me the term separation of church and state in the Constitution, that's when I'll stop citing God as the author of the rights that I have, the, you know, the author of my inalienable rights. Now, if you don't already know this, the term, the separation of church and state, is not found anywhere in the Declaration of Independence nor in our Constitution. It was written by Thomas Jefferson in a letter to the Danbury Baptists. They had some serious concerns that the Constitution didn't go far enough to protect our rights and to protect the church and the freedom of religion. And he he was clarifying to them that our right to the freedom how, and how we worship and our freedom of religion was going to be protected and that there would no way be a state-run church. And that's really all that he was getting at in that letter. And it was written well after you know they had already ratified the Constitution. That has well, I'm sorry, it was already it was written at a time when they'd already written the Constitution and it was all just going around the states being ratified and the these Danbury Baptists had some concerns about that. But that's really all that that was getting at. And again, you will in no way find that anywhere in our founding documents. It was it was written in a letter separate from all of them. So there's it's not really a principle that is a, like a guiding principle intended to determined the, the way that our U.S. government operates. It's an idea. It's it's a statement just wrapping up that idea of, of there won't be a state-run church. Again, unfortunately, too many of us don't know that, including our state and federal representatives, and it's something that we need to very clearly learn and we also need to assert. It is imperative that we all begin really learning the Constitution it might sound like a boring document, like it's hundreds of years old and it may not have, you may not have the interest in learning it. You know, we've all already had to do our elementary, middle school and high school or even college history classes. And it may not seem like something you really want to have to go back and study, but I can promise you from a class I just took through Patriot Academy called Constitution Alive um, that's been hosted at my church and uh, some friends of mine were hosting that class and it was fantastic. It was so interesting and there's so many things I just didn't know about our constitution, about my rights as a citizen, about how I should be asserting the constitution and the outlines for the powers that each various area of government are given and allowed. And when they overstep those bounds, I have every right to be calling up my representatives at you know the state or federal level and to challenge them on that and to assert the constitution there's so much that is out of balance in our system anymore that it is hardly in some ways recognizable to what the founding fathers really wanted but when you read the constitution and especially when you dig into a few of the supplemental historical documents that we have that were written by the founders during that same time period. And you can get a deeper look inside their mind of what they were thinking and what they meant when they wrote these things. It is amazing what you will find and how clear it becomes what they're talking about and that they knew exactly what they were writing down and the power of it and what power they were giving to the people and how they were really limiting the power to the president, to Congress and to then the states and that it really was meant to be that the people would be the ones who had had the power in this country and it was not to be run 
by a headship or a group like an oligarchy or a monarchy or anything like that. I would really, really encourage you guys to look into that Constitution Alive class. It is absolutely worth every single minute you'll spend in it. It's worth every dime you might pay to attend it or for the workbooks. Um, really would recommend that. I'm going to get into more of what that class was about in future episodes. We're going to spend some time. We'll go over a variety of what I learned throughout that class so that you guys can kind of learn that too if you don't have time to take that class right now. Hopefully at least through some recaps of what the classes were and what those each lessons were about, we'll hopefully be able to get you guys a pretty good solid platform of an understanding of the Constitution, of our Declaration of Independence, so that way you have something to, to go forward on. But again, I really recommend you take the class when you have the opportunity. That's really all I have for this particular episode, guys. I hope that you enjoyed this one. I hope you found it interesting. Again, I can't begin to encourage you enough to learn your rights, stand on them, stand strong on them, don't give them up without a fight, and to really start asserting what our Constitution says and really encouraging those who are in leadership in our you know local areas, our, our mayors, our governors, our, our state representatives, our federal representatives to really be able to live up to what this Constitution says as we all have a right to protect and defend the Constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic. It doesn't matter if you were in the military or not. We all have the obligation or the duty to stand up for it and protect it because if we don't, we will lose our rights as U.S. citizens. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Hit me up. Let me know what you thought of this show. Give me any info on things I might have overlooked or missed. I'd love to have your thoughts as well, as I'm sure I will have future opportunity to testify yet again in front of our House Judiciary or our Senate uh, against some of these bills, as I'm sure this this is not the last time these ideas are going to come up. I hope you guys have a great week. Until next time, guys, keep practicing the discipline of manliness. Thank you.